many people remember the very first mobile phone that came out? Do you remember where you were? You know, there are certain things in our lives where we know where we were at the time. I am one of those people when the first mobile phone came out. I was downstairs, Maya, yeah, in the city here. And uh, I was about, I think, around about the age of 17 or 18. And here I am looking at the CDs because it was downstairs mire in those days, looking at the CDs. And I see this gentleman over there with this brick in his hand talking into this brick. <laughs> and I thought, wow, somebody's got a phone in their hand and they're talking. It's not wired, it's wireless. Does anyone remember the first phone? Okay, so now for me, I've lived, well, let's say 17 or 18 years without that kind of technology. And I've now lived more than that period of my life with that type of technology. And our world has changed, has it not? With technology, with these kind of devices, it's a different day in which we lived. And it's changed the way we live. It's changed the way that we interact in terms of texting and emailing and posting and selfies, of course. It's a worldwide phenomenon. And it's kind of hard to believe for some of us what life was like before technology, isn't it? Because we're so used to it now. But there's something I want to say to you this morning, and it's this, the technology is here to stay. This series we started last Sunday night um, continues on for these, just these next two Sundays. If you can just give me these next two Sundays, we've entitled it this, The Rise of Social Media, Moving from a Selfie Life to a Selfless Faith. I don't know if you noticed the new projector that we've got there. It's nice and clear and clean, isn't it? And uh, we're very thankful, very thankful for that. But uh, I want to say right from all uh, the start as well that these kind of things that we're uh, talking about in regards to technologies that that our lives are wrapped up in and and, uh, that our relationships, uh, because of these kind of things, are being changed, uh, how our brains are wired is being changed, how we connect to God and to each other is being changed. And so because of that, we're going to talk about that. Is that okay? These next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about that. And um, a lot of churches, a lot of times, churches, I'm sure, would start with a warning in regards to this. But we today, we're going to start with a sense of wonder in regards to technology. Is that okay? Talk to me. Okay, because we're going to look at the wonder of it all. And it is wonderful. But it starts with the wonder of our great God who gives us this ability, the ability that He gives to human beings to create things such as this that I hold in my hands today. You think about it for a moment. As we go back in time, if we can think about it, in previous centuries, most people were illiterate. Even if you could read, you would actually go through most of your life and not see a single book. But now with this device, I can read any book, anytime and whenever I like. Over 100 million people have the Bible on their smartphone with an app called YouVersion. Some of you know that. In fact, feel free to open that app right now and you go to my notes live here this morning. YouVersion, one of the most popular apps out of the million apps that are available to us, is one of the most popular apps in the world. 
We have access to the greatest thoughts and the greatest minds in human history. We can listen to the greatest music ever composed. We have access to people all around the world. You and I can look them in the eye and we can talk with them real time wherever they are in the world. I have access to information that in previous centuries and generations was not contained in the greatest libraries in the world and now with the click of a mouse or a Google away. <laughs> we can do all kinds of things, can we not? It opens us to a world of opportunities. I can perform calculations. I can uh, locate wherever I am on this planet, which is a good thing sometimes, to get to wherever I need to go to with an app called Google Maps or Maps or whatever your app is called. I never have to listen to my wife say to me once again, Steve, would you stop the car and ask for directions because only it's God. It's only God who knows where we are. <laughs> yes, God knows where we are, but now Siri also knows where we are. She can tell us where we are and where we can get to with a moment of a click. I can call a taxi driver or Uber. I can monitor my heartbeat. I can monitor how I'm going with my exercise regime. I can check the foot... Let's not go there. I don't want to check the football scores these days. I can check the weather. Is that a wonderful thing? We can check the weather. Cold and more cold in Tasmania. <laughs> we can check our finances, which sometimes is, a, is also a bit like the football scores. But anyway, <laughs> but right from word go, thank God for technology. Thank God that we are alive in this amazing time. We thank him for this, these incredible things that we call technology, computers, laptops. And there's a reason, I think, there is a reason why the world is in love with technology. And it speaks to something that's real deep in how God created you and I. Let me go there right from this, right from word go. Because the word technology, there's two Greek words. The word technology comes from two ancient Greek words that happen to, in fact, be Bible words. Do you believe that? And it's these two words, tectone and logos. Tectone and logos. Let me explain these two words um, just for a moment. Tectone, just for a moment. Tectone was a Greek word for craftsman. Craftsman. You see, when God created, he was being a tectone. Jesus was a tectone. He was a craftsman. He was, he, he was a carpenter. He used the technology of his day. That's tectone. The next Greek word is the, is the word logos, which is a Greek word which meant reason or understanding or a greater word that I can really support what I'm sharing right now is the word word. Reason, understanding or word. We have this incredible ability to understand and to create. And that's why, is it not, that John, in his gospel, in the beginning, in John chapter 1, that in the beginning was the Word. He's just echoing Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, in the beginning was the 
word was the logos, was Jesus. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. John chapter 1, verse 1. You see, the reason that we are awestruck by all this incredible technology, and it's the wonder of it all, uh, by Facebook, and by Apple, and by Google, and by Microsoft, and by eBay, and by Instagram, and by uh, Snapchat, and by the mysteries of the cloud. <laughs> it reflects, doesn't it? It reflects the way that you and I were made in the image of a creator God who said, let there be light. And there was light. And you cannot say technology without saying Jesus. Tectone. Logos. It's interesting, isn't it? I think it is. And so, we have technology. And technology is that expression of the image of our Creator God who is inside of us. It's a gift of God to us. It, it enables us to draw closer to Him. It enables the gospel to be spread in places that it's never reached before. It helps us to connect with people that we love. It's making us richer. It's making us smarter. It's making us better educated. It's making us generous. It enriches our lives and makes us better people, right? We don't know what to say. Because it comes, this, this sense of wonder, we're celebrating the sense of wonder. But this series also comes with a warning. And I guess that's where I want to kind of um, head into now. Because the big idea, the big idea of this series, and we all have, always have a big idea with, with our series, is this. The technology makes a wonderful servant. but a terrible master. So let's celebrate it. Let's give thanks to God who made all of this possible. He gives you and I the ability to dream big. But as we move from wonder, this series also comes with a warning. You see, the interesting thing about technology, isn't it not, is that we are kind of its parent, that we invented it, but we're also its child. And so we're actually still figuring it out because we don't fully understand what it's doing to us. It hasn't really been a generation yet. But we're pretty sure it's doing a couple of things. Through a lot of research, and I've read a lot, and I've taken great interest over this last 20 years or so, I guess, of what this is doing to humanity. And uh, there's been a lot of research, a lot of books written in regards to this. You can do your home, own homework in regards to this. But I guess this morning, I just want to share a couple of things that I've learned through reading uh, and research. But a couple of things we, we think technology, what it's doing to us, it's pretty much, re we, we think that it's rewiring our brain somehow. Um, many are concerned that uh, it's making us more self-obsessed. But haven't people always wrestled with self-obsession? You think about this just for a moment. Let's press pause there for a moment. You think about in previous um, centuries, what self-obsession, what the selfie, let's go there, what the selfie was called. What was a selfie called? It was called a painting. It was called a painting. You know, people would pose for, for hours, sometimes days, <laughs> to have a selfie taken of themselves. 
It was called a painting, and they paid lots of money and lots of patience for one selfie. I think we've got a picture here of a selfie. <laughs> Often with that, they call them duck lips or duck, duck face. Yeah. You'll see a lot of selfies out there. And so um, technology, uh, let me just be very clear as well, it's not evil. Technology is not evil. What technology does is it reveals and amplifies what's already in our lives. Things like jealousy, hate, control, greed, impurity, insecurity, envy. These kind of things within our lives, because of these kind of things, have just become amplified. And so technology itself is not evil. It's those who hold the technology, that it's just amplified and it's just revealed what's inside the life that holds on or does whatever with it. It's always been there. It just got amplified. So, we move from the sense of wonder, and it is, for five warnings here this morning. And the first warning is this. The first warning is this. The technology can be addictive. It can be addictive. Is that a good thing? Well, let's see. I'll leave that for you to consider because we're addicted to be, being connected. You know, some of, some of the people that you may be interacting with in life, you know, that sense of panic. Where's my phone? Where's my phone? Where's my laptop? Where is it? That sense of that, that, sense of, that I need to have that. And we have withdrawals when we get onto a plane and we have to turn it onto airplane mode. No! <laughs> We're addicted to being connected and we become dependent on this, so addictive to these kind of things. Is that actually some people actually think in posts. And there was this uh, research, once again, a lot of research being done in this. There's one gentleman who gave 12 months. You may have read this. He gave it 12 months where he put down all technology. He tried 12 months. And uh, I think it got, to, he said in this report, it took him nine months to stop thinking in posts. That's how addicted he became, and that's how addictive these kinds of things are. We think in posts if we're not careful. We live for likes, is another thing in regards to this topic of addiction. It's kind of like we're grown ups, and it's like high school on steroids. If we're not careful self-esteem is hard enough in this world but in an era that you live for likes is problematic to be famous 20 to 30 years ago it took a whole lot of work but today you can become internet famous I watched this uh, um, I think it was only one um, uh, TV show just a couple of weeks ago you may have watched this yourself it was a series called vlogging Vlog, V-L-O, vlogging, video blogs, video blogging. These people have become, become famous from no ones simply by vlogging online who they are, their lives, what they do, what they get up to. And they've become internet famous. You see, if you're struggling, if you're struggling with things like, well, that person got 50 likes and that person got 75 likes and all I got was five... I want to say something to you this morning, just a couple of things, and it's from God's Word, to encourage you and to lift you up out of that. 
nonsense. And it's this. Ephesians chapter 1 and Ephesians chapter 2 can be the encouraging words that you need in your life because of that way maybe you are thinking now and the way that technology has wired your brain to think and to behave. What we are to focus on is not how many likes we are receiving or how many friends, oh, by the way, they're not friends, they are acquaintances, is to focus on how much like Him we are becoming. You see, independent of what your friends think about you, there is what God thinks about you. And I encourage you to read Ephesians chapter 1 and Ephesians chapter 2. So if you're building your self-esteem off the opinions of others, you are building your life on a house of cards. But if you're building your self-worth based on how God sees you, it becomes unshakable. So to wrap that particular point up, if you live for likes, it's a terrible way to live. When you can be loved. Second point, and I'm going to spend, I'm going to spend a, a, some time on this because we're going to do this more next week. The second point is this, that it makes us, have we got that there rather than my head? Is that all right? Can we go to, thank you. Technology makes us compare ourselves with other people. It makes us compare ourselves with other people. There's this thing that goes on, um, we're going to have a bit of fun with this next week, um, called FOMO. Does anyone know what the word FOMO means? F-O-M-O. It stands for the fear of missing out. And technology makes us compare ourselves with other people. You know, you see the photos online, you see what the people are up to, and, and of course, we, we only you know, put on, online what we want people to, to see and to like about us. We don't put the, the, the other kind of things that we don't like about ourselves. And so for a lot of us, our view of ourselves rises and falls with the view of other people. And this is huge in teenagers. This is especially huge in teenage girls. You speak to any teacher, in fact, all the teachers that I've spoken to, uh, just how tragic that social media is within the life of high school students. Not all. You know, that um, post that you read and there's a party that occurred without you being invited and you see people and there's tags and all of a sudden you're not invited and you're kind of, well, what's going there? And that insecurity and all those things just come in your life and you start to question and, and that causes a whole lot of hurt and a whole lot of pain. I wouldn't say just not just for teenage girls either. Third thing, we'll spend a bit more time on that next week with the fear of missing out. The third thing is this, that it can damage, we got that there, here we go. Technology can damage our capacity for empathy. Um, let me explain what I mean by that, because of course we live in a day where increasingly people are preferring to do conversations by text, and online than they are face-to-face. -face. Many prefer texting. Why? Because they're in control of the conversation, where face-to-face -face is a little different, especially when you're confronted with long, awkward pauses. 
like we're experiencing right now. And so people are opting for more conversations via text and online because of the control factor. You know, people are increasingly breaking up online or via texts. Studies after the year 2000, university students of university students are showing a 40% drop in empathy. Uh, empathy is a learned skill that requires being face to face. Sherry Turkle, um, I got a fair bit of my research from her. She was a fantastic writer. Um, she says that. She says this, we are drawn to technologies that provide the illusion of companionship without the demands of relationships. Let me say that again. We are drawn to technologies that provide the illusion of companionship without the demands of relationship. You see, you and I know, do we not, that human relationships are messy, are demanding, and are very rich as well. And so we shortchange ourselves by having connection rather than having community. So she talked about that we prefer to text these days than we do to talk these days. So my encouragement to you from the Word of God would be to continue to do things together in community, to remember to call the person, remember to, to have that um, coffee together, to plan a visit where I'm coming over or, or invite somebody over, to walk and to talk with one another. You see, in a world of iPhone, iPhones, never neglect the importance of eyeballs. <laughs> so don't just do life together from a distance, realizing that, of course, there are relationships in our lives. That's the only way it can be. I certainly have those. But as Paul might have tweeted... Be devoted to one another in love. Be devoted to one another in love. The fourth warning is this, that it can make us, technology can make us restless and mask our spiritual neediness. You know, boredom, is it not? Boredom is a spiritual problem in our world. This is why when you line up, when you are waiting in line or you're waiting for somebody to arrive or you're waiting at the cash register ready to pay or you're waiting at the airport, we no longer need to think and we no longer need to talk to one another because we have these that are talking to us and dominating our lives. You see, the average eight-year-old spends seven hours a day in front of a screen and the average young adult gets 167 texts every day and we check this thing worldwide 100 billion times a day fifth one warning is this and this is a biggie i nearly left this out but i put it in and it's this The whole business, is it not, of social media is emphasizing the egocentric nature of humanity. Online offers opportunity to indulge in bragging. You see, let's talk about the difference between excitement and bragging. Because there is excitement, and we should be excited to share certain things. But there is a difference, and I think only you can really figure that out. 
You see, the primary theme, if you look at the Bible from start to end, the primary theme of the Bible is this. I think we've got it on the screen. No, sorry, I was wrong. We can take that off just for a moment. I was wrong. (laughs) The primary theme of the Bible is this, and that is that God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Paul wrote to the church in Corinth, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 4, that love does not boast. You know, once again, humanity, haven't we always wrestled with pride? Haven't we always wrestled with that sense of wanting to be seen, wanting to be heard, and wanting to be understood? But with social media, we are wrestling with this particular issue in our lives in new ways. Have you ever thought about what if God, and I realize there there are pages out there, I realize that. But what if God himself had a Facebook page? It would read something like this, wouldn't it not? Well and truly, how many followers we would have worldwide would be well over a billion followers. That would would beat anyone on this planet. Um, He would have as his best seller, in fact, the best seller throughout throughout the ages, yeah? So he could be boasting about those kind of things. And he would say, probably say a little phrase like this as you open his page, thank me, it's Friday. (laughs) But we do thank God. We do thank God that when he came to earth, he came in the form not of a bragging king, but a humble baby who made himself a servant. I am here to serve you. I'm here to serve the world. He humbled himself. He humbled himself. Could you imagine our world if he came in a different kind of way? And he's he's returning in an incredible way as we read through his word, of course. But all I can do is just to encourage you to post humbly. Have that humble online, online presence. People can see through it and read through it. And I think, I think as I read through scripture, that Jesus certainly calls us to adopt that um, humble stance, that giving stance, rather than a getting mode of existence. See, the weird thing about technology is that we think that we're using technology, but then it starts using us. And that's where the warning comes throughout Scripture, that that's where idolatry always starts and where it works. It's the nature of the human heart that we always look to something to solve our lives, to give us meaning, and to devote ourselves to. Once again, this researcher that I've been reading a lot about, um, Sherry Turkle is her name, she says that we're going from connection, in fact, to isolation. We're going from connection to isolation. She found that part of our growing attachment to technology is that it seems to promise the satisfaction of the three great human needs. Here they are. Our need for attention everywhere, our need to be heard, and our need to not be alone. These are the cries. These are the cries of the soul for connection. And Sherry, she would question that we are setting ourselves up for trouble, how we relate to each other and how we relate to ourselves. I'm also going to add a third one in there and say in how we relate to God. Okay, Psalm 139, a well-known psalm. Let's take this apart a little bit and let's address those three areas just for a moment. Our need for attention everywhere, our need 
to be heard and our need to be alone. I think Psalm 139 addresses those three, three things pretty much immediately. It goes like this. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. Say this with me. I have attention. Let's go to the next one. Psalm 139. Before a word is on my tongue, Lord, you know it completely. Say this with me. I am always heard. Getting the idea? Let's go to the next one. If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. Say this with me, please. I am never alone. You see, with God, I have attention everywhere. I am always heard. I am never alone. And if I'm going to connect with God, sometimes I have to disconnect from technology. So, our homework this week is to, re to memorize this particular verse. And it's Psalm 46, verse 10. And it's this. He says, to be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. Say that with me. Be still and know that I am God. Do you know that being still is harder for us in this generation than it has ever been for any human beings in the history of the world? Technology is not going away. Yes, we are way better with literacy. Yes, we are way better at education. Yes, we are way better at connecting and using technology. But when it comes to being still, we stink. You know, sometimes when you do gardening, sometimes you go to the gym or you do exercise after a little while and all of a sudden, oh, I haven't used that muscle for a while. Oh, <laughs> I can hardly walk, you know. I think through research, what research is actually finding in regards to this wonder, this wonder of technology is that we're losing the muscle of being still and knowing that He is God. Another psalm says to taste and see that the Lord is good. When was the last time you tasted and see, saw that the Lord is good? See, being still with our thoughts can be confronting, can't it? You think about it for a moment. Our minds tend to go to fear. Our minds tend to go to anxiety or anger or disorder or whatever it is. And that's why we get so desperate, so desperate for something to give our minds to think about. Paul said it this way. He said that the mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. I'm asking the question this morning, is what is your mind being governed by? You see, if I'm not still, I won't know. You see, if I'm not still, I won't pray. If I'm not still, will he be my God? So, homework, to so take this phrase, to be still 
and know that I am God. Take a moment, unplug, declare a text Sabbath, declare a screen-free zone in your home. I was reading this last week in my daily Hope 20 minutes in the chair of, uh, uh, of a group of people in Israel in the Old Testament that they were to stand every morning and thank and praise God every evening, morning and evening. And maybe instead of the first and last thing of the day being on your phone, that it would belong to God's book and not to Facebook. 20 minutes in the chair, daily hope. That's what we call it here at Door of Hope. Maybe, maybe when you're standing in conversations this week, it could be work, it could be school, it could be with a neighbor, that you could look right at them in the wonder that God has created that person to have that conversation with, that this is someone that he loves and that you also get to love that God cares about, somebody who God cares about. Because too often, this is keeping us from doing this. The World Wide Web is not important, not more important than a human being. You see, in a world where we're accepted as who people perceive us to be and not who we really are, in a world where validation comes from how many followers, how many friends, how many likes we have, in a world where quality time with loved ones is being replaced by isolation and text messages from other rooms in the house, I beg you to be different, to put down the technology this wonder, a wonderful thing. Put that technology and spend time with family and friends and loved ones because the next generation of children are counting on us to teach them to be adults. The next generation are counting on us to be still and know that He is God. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, Amen and Amen. Let me pray. Father, we thank you. We honor you. We thank you for the teaching of your word and what you're saying to us. And Father, right now, we come to this table together in community because we, we come to this table acknowledging just how much it cost you to access you. Where Jesus took the bread that day and he said, that this is my body and it's broken for you. And he said, to do this in remembrance of me. And as he took the cup and he said, that this cup is a new covenant of my blood poured out for the forgiveness of sins. Drink this and remember me. And so this morning we come to the table and maybe this may be the only time in our week where we put down technology and we say, Jesus... Be the center of my life. And we're doing that right now as we come around the table. I'm asking you a question. Have you opened your heart to Jesus? Maybe in these next few moments, you would consider doing that. And just pray a little prayer. Jesus, I invite you into those places that I need you the most. Because he wants to commune with you right now at this table. And I believe Jesus wants to share with you three things as we go into this time together in community around the communion table i believe jesus would say these three things to us each that he is paying attention that he's listening to you and that you are never alone would you meet him at the table right now and be still and know that he is